privilege to be with you here today, and Brother Matt's at the couple's retreat. Aaron's also at the couple's retreat, otherwise it wouldn't be a couple, would it? So, well, they're there today, and they've asked me to come and speak once again uh, while he's away, while they're away. This morning, I'd like to speak to us about some things in the Scripture and I want to use John chapter 6, beginning with verse 53, as a lesson text today to think about the things that we want to look at this morning from the Word of God. Verse 53 says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your father ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogues he taught in Capernaum. And therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? And what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who would, not, and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They said to Jesus, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Jesus is speaking about being the bread of life. And we saw back in verse 53 that he said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in him. Jesus is speaking in figurative language. He's trying to get them to understand that, that he needs to be, in a spiritual way, consumed if we're going to have eternal life. But these were people that were listening to him and they were taking these things literal and, and they, they just could not understand what he was saying. They, they could not grasp the things that he was saying and so the, they decided that they would walk with him no more. You see, when we preach the truth, there's people going to be offended from time to time. When I'm preaching from this pulpit, when Matt is preaching from this pulpit and others that are up here, we preach. Our purpose is not to offend people, but when we preach and we preach the truth from time to time, we're going to offend people. People's feelings are going to get hurt. They're not ready to accept the Word of God. You know, a couple of years ago, we had Brother Jeff Archie preaching for us in our gospel meeting, and I, I remember a time he came over to Newdale when I was preaching there. He preached in the gospel meeting. One night, he was preaching some very tough things. There were some people got up and left. 
And it wasn't his purpose for them to get up and to leave, but it was his purpose to preach the truth that evening. And so that's what we do, and that's what Jesus was doing on that very day. He was preaching the truth. It offended some people, and they decided that they would walk with him no more. Now this morning, I want us to look at some other things that are hard sayings, and every one of these is found in the book of Matthew. And if you would go to Matthew chapter 5, we will look at the first one. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus teaches us that we must love our enemies. And that's found in verses 43 through 48. Jesus says that you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies because those uh, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your fathers in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall not be per perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so we see this scripture here where Jesus tells us to love our enemies. You know, I've taught this lesson many times in the Bible class, and it just seems like uh, every time this lesson is taught, there will be someone that, that's a brother or sister in Christ that, that they served in the armed services. They fought in the war. And they say, well, Brother Doug, you, you don't understand. You didn't have to look those Germans in the face. You didn't have to look the, at those Japanese as they were coming there and, and they hated us and they wanted to take our lives. They were the enemies. You haven't been over there in the Middle East where these people uh, have no care and concern for us at all as Christians. And no, I haven't. I haven't done that. And I think, though, we need to look at this a little closer here as we think about this matter of loving our enemies. For, for one thing, I believe that Jesus is talking about this situation, but it's more than that in that we have enemies right here around us. We have people that just can't get along with others, and maybe they don't get along with you, and they want to mistreat you, and they... They, they don't have anything good to say about you, and it may not have anything to do with what you have done. You've been doing all the right things, but they still want to mistreat you, and they become an enemy. But I think the key word in this whole thing is love. And we must remember once again that when we look at uh, the word love, we mean many different things when we talk about love. But you go back in the biblical days and you find that, the, that uh, when the Bible was written that there were Greek words. Uh, the, the original language had words that was more specific. This is what we mean when we say love someone. When Jesus tells us in this passage to love our enemy, he didn't tell us to storge our enemy. Well, what's storge? Well, that's one of those Greek words that translated love today. That's the kind of love that we have for our family. It's the kind of love that you have for, for your physical brothers and sisters and, and for your parents and for your children and for uh, uh, your cousins and extended family. It's a natural affection that you have for them. 
Jesus didn't tell us to love them like that. They're not our family. And so certainly we don't want to love them like that. Neither did Jesus say to phileo them. You know, remember that word? That's where we get the, the city of Philadelphia. It's a brotherly love. It's a love between good friends. It's the love that David and Jonathan had for each other. It, it's a very deep-seated love. And what do we call each other here this morning? We're brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? And I'm looking out at my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love every one of you. I have this brotherly love for you. I care about you, and I pray that we all have that same love toward each other. But Jesus didn't say to love the enemies like that. What he said there was to agape them. You see, a storge love, uh, a phileo love, kind of comes into our emotions. Agape love is a love of decision. We don't love someone because of how they treat us. It's a love that just says, this is how I'm going to treat you. You, you have your choice of how you're going to treat others, but I have a choice how I treat you. This is not a love where you're going to go up to that person and, and shake their hand or hug them or greet them in, in some friendly way necessarily. It is a love that says, I'm going to pray for you. It's a love that says, I, I want you to be my friend and not my enemy. Paul talks about this a little more over in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, uh, beginning in verse 19. Paul says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so even though there's other people that may mistreat us, they're evil toward us. He says, we are not to be the person that exacts vengeance upon them. If they don't ever change their ways, if they don't ever repent, God says He will bring that vengeance to them one day. And we know that He will. We pray that they will repent. We pray that they will change. But if they're hungry, if they're in a situation where they're down and out, we will go and help them. We'll bring them food. They're thirsty. We'll bring them drink. And, and He tells us that when we do this, we're heaping coals of fire upon their head. We will penetrate their conscience to some extent. We may not change them, but we will make them think a little bit. We are to love our neighbors. We need to understand it. It's a hard saying. Some people can't understand it. But this is something that the Lord and Savior tells us that we must do. Another hard saying that we have is that we are to lay up in heaven or lay up our treasures in heaven. That's found right there in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You know, human nature tells us to 
to go out there and, and just go after it and get everything you can get. And after you get it, you keep it. <laughs> but that's not what Jesus teaches us. We had a good lesson this morning about our attitude toward employment. Brother Eddie gave us a great lesson toward that. We appreciate that. But we had a little section in there where it was talking about being workaholics. And, and it talked about in that little section that the reason many are, are workaholics is because they just want more and more money. They're making plenty, but they want more. They, they want to get more and more things, more and more stuff that they can build up and keep and enjoy in this life. But do you remember what Jesus tells us? We're not going to take it with us. We need to be putting our treasures toward a heavenly home and not trying to build up the treasures that are here upon this earth. You know, he tells us later on in that same chapter, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that we will receive the necessities of life. We will be blessed with, with shelter. We'll be blessed with food. We'll be blessed with clothing. Everything beyond that is extra things that God blesses us with. And as much as we want to take care of ourselves, we want to be good stewards, certainly, of the things that are given to us. But beyond that, we need to understand it's more important to prepare for the heavenly treasures that are there for us if we live for the Lord. But for some people, this is a hard saying. They don't understand it. They're still working toward those, heaven, those earthly treasures. We need to understand the heavenly treasures are more important. Another hard saying is found over in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. Jesus says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Human nature says that we are to put family first. And indeed the Bible teaches us that we are to love our family. Husbands love your wives. Wives love your husbands. We, we have, uh, we're to honor our father and mother. We're to raise our children in the Lord. We're to spend time with our family. We are to love them. But Jesus tells us that that's number two. Number one, we love Him first. We must put Jesus first in all things. And He tells us that there are situations where we may have family members that pull against us. And indeed, because uh, of family members that, that are either ungodly people, they, they don't have any care or concern toward God, and the love of God, and they want to pull us into the world. Or we may have other family members that, that belong to a denomination, some other religion, and, and they were brought that way. Maybe it's in-laws, as he talks about here. And, and they pull us away. They become actually enemies because of this. 
as he says. But he tells us very clearly that if we love father and mother more than him, we're not worthy of him. If we love our children more than him, we are not worthy of him. Now our family brings us a lot of love and, and, and again we have that uh, love that we are to have toward them. But it's Jesus who died on the cross for us. It's Jesus that's going to give us eternal life. And we're going to find ourselves in those situations. I, I have talked to people who said, well, I'll come and worship God when I can get my spouse to come. Is that the way to go about it? <laughs> if we want our spouse to come, maybe we need to just start coming first. And you know, as I think about this, I'm looking at, at you this morning. You are here today. And this may be a hard saying for you, but you've overcome this hard saying. You have family members that pull against you. And, and God takes pleasure in the fact that you're able to overcome and that you are able to be here and be with us and worship with us as we should. God is pleased with, with us when we're able to go out and, and do His bidding during the week, even though we may have pressure from family that tells us not to do that. And we must understand that many times that enemy is right there in our own household, right there in our own house that is pulling and trying to pull us away from the things that we ought to do. It's a hard saying. Who can understand it? We also see that we are to forgive others over and over and over again. We go over to Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. You know, human nature tells us that if someone does something against us, you hold a grudge. That's not what Jesus teaches us. It's hard to forgive. And some people say, well, okay, if someone does something against me, I, I can forgive them. What if they do two things? <laughs> I can get over two. You know, uh, the Jewish tradition was, well, uh, maybe three strikes, you're out. Peter was ready to go seven. Jesus said, no, 70 times 7. I have to admit you, it's a hard saying. If someone's going to continually come back every so often and they sin against you, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to forgive. But Jesus said we must do that. You know, we see the word long-suffering often in the Scriptures. I think that's what long-suffering is. Long-suffering is... Is, is just dealing with people and overcoming different personalities and all. I tell you, uh, I, I am a person, I, I know a lot of people, I have a lot of friends. You know, I grew up in Gallatin. I live here now in Portland. I teach over in White House. 
I've been involved in church work. I'm a teacher. I've been involved in other things. And so I, I come in contact with a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life. And if you're like me, there is that friend out there. You love them to death, but they're irritating. <laughs> they drive you crazy. But you're long-suffering with them. And you just understand that the personality is just different. And so we get along. We find ways. And when they, when they uh, uh, get up under our skin, we just forgive them over and over and over again. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Be forgiving. Love each other with that kind of love. And then in Matthew chapter 19... Another hard saying is Jesus tells us not to divorce. Matthew 19, verse 8 and 9. Jesus said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wife, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Oh, there's so many teachings about that today when Jesus gives us the answer right there. And, and you know, in that day and time, uh, some of the scholars that look back at other manuscripts and all, they, they say that those that were teachers of the law, they, they were divided about it back then. There were some that taught the truth. There were some that say, you know, the only way you can divorce your spouse is if they have committed that adultery. Other than that, you stay with them. And yet you go over to some other synagogue and there's a teacher there that says, if the wife burns your bread, you can divorce them. That's all it takes. If you can't get along, y'all need to, to just split up and go. And, and isn't that what we find in our world today? I can tell you, uh, when I was working with uh, Galton Utilities, We'd come in in the morning, you know, we'd chat a little bit before we actually started our work day. And it, every once in a while, there'd be someone come in, they're all just angry and mad. You wouldn't believe what the wife did last night. And the, the language really wasn't that nice either. And they'd just go on. This is what the wife did. And then there'd be always one or two rooms that said, well, you just need to leave her. That's what you do. Get her out of your life. That's what I did. <laughs> That's not what Jesus said to do. We need to be a people that goes behind, beyond what human nature says and understand that Jesus tells us that the only reason is when that spouse commits adultery. It's a hard saying. Many people do not understand it. But Jesus understood it. And we need to take the time to think about what Jesus is teaching us here and what the marriage is all about. Here's another hard saying. The chief will serve. Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. And actually... Jesus taught this on several occasions. 
I actually put the wrong scripture here. Let's see if I can find where I really meant to go. <laughs> but he tells us, uh, verse 16, I believe is what I'm really looking at. He says that, So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. The last will be first. Again, we're living in, in a society that tells us that you've got to climb up that corporate ladder. You've got to, you got to get that top job, and, and the only way you can do that is you've got to push people aside, and you, got, you, know, you work hard, and you get up there, and when you get there, you can finally get to a point that you, you just tell everybody else what to do. You don't have to do anything. You just call the shots. But Jesus says in the kingdom of God, those that do His will are the ones that go out and do the work. <laughs> They're not the leaders of the, of the church, but it's all that do the work. The leaders, our elders, they're not to be men that, that stand and say, everyone else go do this. They are supposed to be leading in that way. They're doing that work. They're setting the example. The deacons are setting the example. And all of us work together in doing this. Jesus said many are called, but few are chosen. It's the ones that get out and actually do the work that will be chosen. These are ones that Jesus will look at and say they are chief among us. Let us be people that are always out working for the Lord. And then I want to leave us with one last thought this morning. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus tells us that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. To me, this is another scripture that, that's a hard saying. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to go to heaven. We have a lot of people saying, Lord, Lord, today, don't we? You go and, and if you were to ask a hundred people if they're religious, uh, and, or find a hundred people that says they are religious, then you ask them, well, so then if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Oh, yes. I believe I'm going to go there. I'm religious. I go to this church or I go to that church. I have a belief, and I'm going to go to heaven one day. They say, Lord, Lord. They believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But the question is, are they doing the will of the Father? Oh, yes, I'm doing the will of the Father. They kind of sound like Saul in the Old Testament days, you know, when, when Samuel was asking him about, uh, about wiping out the Amalekites. You know, he didn't do it. He didn't do what he was supposed to do, but he kept saying he did. And there's people today who say, yes, I'm doing the will of the Father. I, I believe that Jesus is God's Son. Well, what else have you done? Well, I believe that Jesus is God's Son. <laughs> Are we doing the will of the Father? Not only do we believe Jesus is God's Son, are we ready to repent of our sins? What, what, what do you mean, repent of my sins? Well, Jesus teaches us that we sin. Unless... We repent of our sins, we're going to perish, Luke 13, 
verse 3. We, we must repent of our sins. Anything that's offensive to God, we've got to put those things out of our life. We've got to stop doing those things. And there's some things that God wants us to do. We need to start doing those things. Repent. And we must be willing to confess that Jesus is God's son. Well, a lot of people say, I can do that. But if we're not willing, we must be willing to confess that. And then... We need to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Well, where does the Bible say that? <laughs> A lot of places. Acts 2.38 for one place. And we see it all throughout the book of Acts. We see people who are obedient to God's will, and that's what they did. They were baptized to, to remove their sins, to have their sins forgiven. Romans uh, chapter 6 verse 4 says that when we do that, we live in newness of life. We start our life over again. And so we must understand that this is a hard saying for some people. A lot of people want us to feel and think that we can do anything that, that uh, as far as our path to God, and He'll be pleased with that. He has given us a path. He has given us a plan to follow if we want to be His one day in heaven. question is this morning, have you done those things? If you haven't, do you need to do so before it's everlastingly too late? Please come as we stand and sing.